Hello. Welcome back to Undressing the Issue. It's been a minute, and I wanted to hop back on here and uh, do another episode on a very important topic, as per usual. So I wanted to communicate with you about communication today. So oftentimes when people are asked, you know, what makes relationships work? One of the first things they come out with is communication, trust, communication, mutual respect, those kinds of things. But communication is usually in that list. So what the hell is it? What do we what do we mean by communication and why is it important? So it's not just about how to communicate with your partner, how to let your partner know you love them, or how to uh, express some type of upset or negative emotion. Communication is something that you use every single day, all the time, pretty much everywhere. You use it at work, unless you work alone and you're secluded somewhere in a laboratory or something, but most of us have to come across people, coworkers, uh, customers, patients, clients, so, you know, bosses, supervisors, so we have to interact with them, and interaction is communication. So the other piece of it is that we have to do this in all of our relationships, not just our romantic ones. We have siblings, family members, kids, uh, friends, um, other communities that we're members of, our faith communities, um, our gyms are, well, right now we're not really going to the gym. Um, at least most of us aren't. I know I'm not. Um, so in all relationships, in order to maintain these relationships, we have to communicate. We have to interact with people. We have to take the time to foster the relationship, which means spending time. And what do you do with someone when you spend time with them? You don't just sit there and stare at them and go, okay, we just spent time together. Cool, thanks, bye. You talk to them. You ask them questions. They ask you questions. You share things with one another. This is what constitutes a relationship. And with romantic relationships, you oftentimes spend more time with this person than you do with other people or you share more with them. And this sharing is done in part, in large part, through communication. The other piece of this and why I think it's important is, as you may know from listening to previous episodes, I really place a lot of focus on boundaries. I think boundaries are super important and they're healthy for any type of relationship. And the way somebody communicates is a reflection of how they set their boundaries. So the only way to set boundaries or to maintain them is to communicate what you need and what your boundaries are and what the consequences are if somebody does not honor or respect your boundaries. Somehow this has to be relayed and that relaying is communication. Say it with me now, communication. Okay, sorry about that, I got a little excited. So it's interesting because I have a lot of clients who come to me who say, "Mm, 
I'm a bad communicator. I have problems with communication. I try I statements. I've heard of I statements, but it just doesn't seem to get me the result that I'm looking for. And I statements, I think, have become sort of trendy. We've, at least most of us have heard of I statements. Um, If you haven't, I'll give you a little refresher. So I statements are basically a type or a way of communicating, type of communication in which you don't take a blaming stance, meaning you don't do the you. You did this or you didn't do this or you are blank. It's speaking to yourself, your own feelings, your own experience, your own needs. So you come from the position of I. So I need, I feel, I think, I would like, those kinds of things. I am, um, I wish, I keep coming up with other ones. Now here's the problem. Where people go wrong is where they try to use an I statement, but they use it in a way where they're actually blaming. So for example, I think you're an asshole. That's not really a good I statement. Or I feel like you're terrible. I feel like you're terrible. I feel like you do everything wrong. It's still a blaming stance. And it also doesn't really provide the person you're speaking to with a whole lot of insight about what you're needing, what is happening for you, why you may feel a certain way, what they've what they could do differently. It's just kind of like shitting on somebody. And Oftentimes, it comes off as offensive, as an attack. And when somebody feels like they're being attacked or criticized really harshly, they're not going to be too um, too inclined to meet that person halfway and appease them or reassure them or right whatever wrong needs to be addressed. So this use of I statements is uh, not the proper use (laughs) for starters. It's just not. Um, But it's also still doing the same thing that using a you statement does, which is blaming, finger pointing, and also not really speaking from the heart. It's just... uh, It's a way to push somebody else away and to use it in that way and then expect the other person to want to move closer to them. Well, that's kind of an unreasonable expectation. So when my clients say I've been using and practicing I statements and I'm still not getting the result I want, my first question is always, can you show me how you use it? So if let's role play. If I'm the person that you are speaking to and using this I statement with, how how do you do it? Show me. Pretend that I'm that person. We're having this conversation. And they'll do it. And it's interesting to see how sometimes as soon as somebody hears themselves 
speaking and using it in this way, like as soon as it comes out of their mouths, they're like, oh, I hear it now. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound good, huh? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But it's a good start. And even seeing that somebody has an interest in using I statements or using some type of communication tool is a step forward because now I know that they're interested in getting some type of tool and it's easier for me to work with that. So you've heard of I statements, you wanna try to use them, great, let me help you. Now, one of the things that I often tell people and I will share with you also is that there's a way to use I statements where it's not just I feel, I want, I need, I think, I am. There's more to it, and it's almost like a script. So the script is something along the lines of, I feel blank when blank, and what I need is blank. Now, this is not set in stone. You have some, you know, creative freedom with this, and you can really go off of this and do all sorts of things, but it's a good starting point because it provides insight and it also provides a little bit of like a plan or a guide for the person you're speaking to to understand how they can help you with whatever it is you're experiencing. So I'll give you an example, right? So take the person who tried to use the I statement and use it by saying, I think you're an asshole, <laughs> okay? So what happened to make that person feel like their partner was an asshole was that um, their communication, meaning how they stayed in touch when they were apart, when their partner was at work or they were at work, was something that's always been sort of a source of tension in the relationship. And they kind of felt like it was a one-way street. They were the ones who were making more effort to reach out and to stay connected. And their partner was making a lot less and rarely took the initiative. And it felt really selfish to them and they felt uncared for. And when they tried to bring it up of, you know, I, I thought we talked about this. I would like to see you, you know, actually make an effort and reach out to me more often. They were met with, Ugh, you're so needy. It was kind of dismissed. And this was even more hurtful. Now we've got two injuries to tend to. So here is the script for that particular person, just as an example for you, is I feel unloved, unimportant, and forgotten when I am the one who always has to initiate connecting with you when we're apart. And what I need is to see more of a balance in who initiates the connecting through, you know, our gadgets, our phones and, you know, text messaging or calling or FaceTiming or whatever. So if you were to hear that, I feel unloved, forgotten, um, unimportant when I am always the one who has to initiate connection and what I need is more of a balance in who initiates, that's a lot more palatable 
And that's a lot easier to receive and to hear versus you never call me. I feel like you're an asshole. (laughs) Well, okay. Somebody said that to me, I'd be like, cool, if I'm an asshole, why do you want me to call you? (laughs) I wouldn't want to talk to somebody who's an asshole. So that's one script. Now you can take this and run with it. And really you can add on, you can adjust it. You can say, I feel unloved or unimportant. And you can even cut out the when and just go right into what I need or what I would like. I feel unloved and unimportant. And something that would help me with this in our relationship is to see an effort from from you in various ways in your own way, whatever you feel comfortable doing, that would demonstrate to me that you're taking initiative and that you're thinking of me and that you have taken the time to do something to make me feel special. This kind of ties into love languages. So for some people, feeling special is needing that communication and words of affirmation. For other people, they don't need the words at all. And let's say there's somebody who has a love language that consists of acts of service. So for them, they might say, well, you know, I made sure to pay all the bills ahead of time and I go to work and I made it a point to clean the kitchen before I left the work, left for work. And I also um, took your car and filled it up with gas before I went to bed last night. You know, and for them, that's their way of showing love and care and consideration. But they may not have said two words to their partner through all of that. But to them, because it's not their love language, they didn't feel a need to do so. They felt like I'm doing all these things and I'm doing them because I love this person and that's how I show it. So everybody's different. But part of this exercise is to get a basic, basic tool around expressing how you receive love, how you experience different interactions and what you're needing. But we're all different. And even in having to put it into the script, like I feel blank when blank and what I need is blank, taking the time to do so and slowing down to think about it is a measure in itself to prevent somebody from just sort of spouting off and potentially saying things that are hurtful that maybe they didn't intend to say. So... It's a good exercise. Some people do it a little bit differently. Some people do, um, they do the I feel blank when blank and the story I create about it is blank, meaning they start speaking to their own wounds and traumas and potentially insecurities. So they're really divulging a lot of personal information and sharing a lot of insight with whoever they're speaking to and using this script with. So for example, let's go back to the example I just used. I feel unloved, forgotten, unimportant when I am always the one to initiate contact. And the story I create about this is that If I didn't initiate 
that I would not still have this relationship and that I would not receive it at all. And you can go a step further. And this story comes from my history with whatever, having a parent who was absent in my life, um, who I always tried to have a relationship with and who never made any effort to reciprocate. And so when something similar happens, I go back to feeling the same way I did back then, which is I'm not important, I'm not loved, I'm forgotten. It's an abandonment thing. So with this, for somebody who is in a relationship with you and you're sharing this with, their intention usually is probably not to recreate significant trauma from your past. Their intention may be as simple as, you know, I just show my love differently or I get busy and I lose track of time or I don't know what to say. And sometimes if I initiate contact, I get worried that I only have a couple minutes to talk and that you're going to want to talk longer than that. Well, okay, but now we've opened up the floor to actually discuss this and come to some type of a compromise or a plan or a resolution where the person who originally brought it up isn't feeling like they're not loved and the person who is on the receiving end doesn't feel like they're being attacked or pressured because that's not good either. That just creates more distance. So this is a basic tool, I statements, but overall, one of the things that is really important about communication is to be aware of what your communication style is and everybody's is different. There's four primary categories of communication styles. Passive, passive aggressive, aggressive and assertive. So the best way that I know how to explain the differences between these four is to demonstrate. So I will do so for you. So I use something I call my cookie example to demonstrate this. Here we go. Imagine I baked a batch of cookies. These cookies are delicious and they're really labor intensive. Takes me a long time to make the batter, to get them just right. And then I bake them in batches. It's, it's a production. And I make this big batch of really special, really delicious cookies that take me a while to make. And the following day, I bring them in to work with me. And I leave them in the break room. Remember those days, going to work, break rooms? Yeah. Um, I leave them in the break room to share them with my coworkers. And I come back in a little bit later and I find that people have really gone to town on these cookies and there's only one left and I haven't even gotten to have one yet. I didn't have one after I baked them and I take this last cookie, I bring it back to my office and I leave it on my desk as a little snack for later. So my coworker, whoever it is, walks in, sees the cookie on my desk and reaches for it and goes, oh, those cookies are so good. I, I really want another one. Can I have this one? Okay. Passive communication style would sound like this. Uh, yeah, okay. 
you can have the cookie. So I'm not actually being honest about what I need, what I want. I do want that cookie. I don't want to give it up. But I'm not expressing that. I'm saying, okay, I'm agreeing to it, even though internally I don't agree to it. You can have my cookie, right? It's this sort of, it's a dismissal of my own needs. And I may walk away feeling kind of sad or disappointed or even resentful that I didn't get to have what I wanted. And I let somebody else have it. I didn't speak up for myself. I kept it to myself. This type of communication style results in a person putting others' needs before their own. This is somebody who may be a people pleaser, a caregiver, somebody who just is not accustomed to speaking up for themselves for what they want. And sometimes it can lead to that building up so much resentment that they can only do it for so long and eventually they explode. And it's coming from them not communicating what they want or need for such a long time. All right, style number two, what would a response look like in a passive aggressive style? All right, sure, take my cookie. What else do you want? You want my firstborn? You want the shirt off my back? (laughs) That's a passive aggressive style. Notice I'm still not saying what I actually want. What I actually want is to keep the cookie. And I'm still giving it away. I'm saying, sure, take it. And then with that comes the aggressive piece where I'm also being kind of abrasive. I'm also on the attack a little bit. Now, here's the problem with this style. I may walk away still resentful that... I agreed to let my cookie go and the person who is asking for it may also be resentful because it was uh it was unnecessary the aggressive part I could have just said sure take my cookie or no don't take my cookie but instead I did this whole song and dance around sure take it what else do you want (laughs) making them feel bad for even asking so now both parties walk away feeling some sort of way This style is still indirect. It is still a lack of a surety and confidence to be able to just simply state what you need and want. It's somebody who wants to, but can't quite get there. So it's coupled with this sort of indirect attack. It lacks maturity. Okay. Now, We've all been guilty of engaging in all of these styles, but some of us tend to use one or two of them more often than others. And so it's something certainly to look at is what gets in the way of that person being able to just communicate clearly. All right, the third style is aggressive. So this is what aggressive would sound like. Get your fucking hand off my cookie. That cookie's mine bit much, a little scary, kind of ready to bite someone's head off. It's over the top. Yes, I'm communicating what I want. I I want to keep my cookie, but I'm doing it in a way where I walk away having kept my cookie, but the other person is going to walk away potentially with some negative feelings, feeling like they were attacked 
or feeling like the like they have to be guilty for even asking in the first place or like I'm not a safe person to really interact with around simple things. It's overkill. It's unnecessary. It's potentially coming from feeling like I have to assert my needs in order to get my way, that I can't just express them calmly and still be met with agreement and respect that I have to go over the top with it to get what I want. The fourth style is assertive. Now, this is the healthy style, quote unquote, healthy. This is what health or assertive would sound like. Actually, that's my cookie and I was saving it for later. So I can't let you have it. Okay, notice I did not apologize. I didn't say, sorry, I can't give you that cookie. I'm not taking a one down position. I have nothing to be sorry for. I didn't do anything wrong. Person asked if they could have my cookie and I answered, no, you can't have this cookie. I'm communicating clearly what I want and need and I'm doing it in a way where it's not abrasive, it's not attacking, and I'm not making the other person feel resentful or guilty or scared of me. It's very clear. Can I? No, you cannot. That's it. So assertive is tough for some people. For some people, they feel the need to preempt it with an apology or you know, it's it's uncomfortable for them, so they may sprinkle in a little bit of that aggression with it because they feel like they have to assert themselves, which I guess has a negative connotation. Asserting yourself means somehow overpowering somebody else, when in fact all it is is stating your position. That's it. That's it. It's not abrasive. It's not hostile. It doesn't have to be. And if somebody else has a problem with it, if your coworker goes, oh, you're so stingy or, you know, why do you always do this? You, whatever, whatever they start accusing you of, guess what? That's now your coworker's problem. And they look like the jerk. They're on the attack. You had every right to set a boundary, to communicate your needs to make a request, essentially, to keep this cookie. No, I would like to keep this cookie. This cookie is for me, I'm saving it for later. I'm also unapologetic in that. But for some people that's tough because they wanna get their way. We can't always have our way. But these are the four primary attachment styles. So think about which one do you tend to default to when you're feeling uncomfortable, when you're feeling like you're sort of backed into a corner or when you're pressured, what do you tend to default to? Do you go into aggressive? Do you go into passive aggressive? Or do you just capitulate and back down and go right into passive and let the people around you have their way? And What does that say about you? How would you like to be? Would you like for that to look different? And what can you do to get there? So it's a process. I want you to understand that communication styles are not 
firmly set for people. These are patterns, these are learned and reinforced and conditioned, but the same way they can be unlearned and a new style can be reconditioned. So think about this for a second. If it was your cookie, how would you respond? And would you end up burning any bridges in the process of trying to keep your cookie? And is that the case for you in other contexts, in other relationships? Some food for thought for you. Well, this was my little rant on communication, why it's important, a little tool for you, and what are the different communication styles and what they say about the person who uses them and also how they affect the people around them. I hope this was informative. As always, thanks for listening. And I welcome your feedback on social media and wherever you can find me. And as always, talk to you next time.